Joining the chorus, it's time for another North Melbourne Footy Club update with Dean Vasic and special guests on Hashtag Kangaroos. Hi, this is Ben Mackay from the North Melbourne Footy Club and you're listening to another episode of the Hashtag Kangaroos podcast. Here is your host, Dean. Thank you, Ben Mackay. Welcome to another episode. If this is your first time listening to the show, then welcome. My name is Dean Vassie. You can find me on Twitter at hashtag Kangas or on Instagram at hashtag Kangaroos Podcast. I'm also on TikTok as well, which I keep forgetting about. Um, now at hashtag Kangaroos One. So tonight I welcome back Siobhan Rowe and North Melbourne legend Troy Makepeace to talk mainly uh, about the developments of today and the Alistair Clarkson news, the big news of Alistair Clarkson stepping away from the game indefinitely. Um, we also uh, talked about... Uh, the game coming up this week against the Swans at Marvel Stadium and how we can bounce back. Uh, will um, the Brett Ratton uh, new appointment give us a you know, give us a, a chance of uh, getting a win this week and putting in a good, really good competitive performance? I believe it will. Um, there's plenty to discuss, so I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's bring in Siobhan and Troy right now. Siobhan and Troy, welcome to the show, both of you together, first time. Uh, we have a lot to go through. Uh, let's not waste any time, and let's go to today's developments. And our coach, Alistair Clarkson, has decided to step aside indefinitely with the allegations against against him about the First Nations people weighing him down and affecting his mental and physical well-being. Troy, we can't get any luck right now, can we? No, and um, uh, we, you know, Siobhan's uh, mentioned off air before, this is one that's sort of outside our control and, um, you know, really feel for the position that, um, that Clark goes in at the moment, um, you know, it's not his, I'm, su- I'm sure it's not his, you know, own, own doing or, or what he wanted to, to be, uh, the position he wanted to feel like he put in the club in, um, you know, but we certainly uh, want to throw our arms around him and, and support him um, any way we can um, in, in getting himself right mentally and physically, um, getting him, self-right with his with his family first and foremost and then um, hopefully putting himself in a good headspace to be able to return uh, to the helm and, and get the club uh, moving where he, he wants us to go. And, um, you know, yeah, that's that's the only thing I can sort of say at the moment is, um, you know, best wishes to, to Clarko and, and hopefully um, things can get sorted out and, and we can see him back, back in uh, Kangaroos' colours very shortly. Yeah, and this isn't... Not only affecting him, but it's affecting uh, people around him as well. No, not just football club, but you're talking about family as well. I'm sure they're right in the middle of this circus. Siobhan, I think this is the best, best move uh, for the club, Clarkson and his family right now. I mean, we've, we've all had moments in our life when we feel stressed and can't sleep, which might last a couple of days. But it sounds like this has been a big burden on Clarko, Clarko for a while. And we're in a high-pressure industry where it's results-based. And Todd Viney said he isn't sleeping, basically. So I've got no doubt that he, we, he wouldn't be able to do his job right now to even close to the best of his ability. Um, it's disappointing, isn't it, Siobhan? I, I, I guess that's the emotion. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, um, I reiterate Troy's sentiments in that I hope that he's okay and um, that he takes as much time as he needs to get himself um, okay, and hopefully during the time that he's away from the club, we can actually get somewhere with the investigation. Um, I've got absolutely no doubt that it must be incredibly frustrating for him. Um, I use the example that, Dean, if I accused you of calling me names and, and this and that and, and you had to say nothing and you lost followers for the podcast and it would just be really damning and frustrating that they, they haven't been able to actually speak and try and defend themselves, all of the accused. So um, there's no doubt it's taken a significant toll. Um, the sad part is that it's not our club's fault. Like we, we've we been so poor for so long and we've been kicked so many times and this just feels like another sort of chapter to that. But I've got no doubt that when he comes back, um, he'll be a better coach um, and he'll be um, better at, at kind of rectifying the issues at our club at the moment that I'm sure in itself is a real challenge um, and with everything else that's going on in his life, I've got no doubt that um, he probably just thought he wasn't the right fit at the moment where he is in his life to, to continue the job. Um, I think it, it probably 
I was noticing more and more, even in the post-match press conferences, that a lot of the media were asking questions relating to the investigation more than they were actually asking about our performance during the game. Um, so, yeah, that, I found that sort of really interesting and probably played a part in, in what's happened today. Um, and there was also a story that came out just before about um, a, a spray that occurred during the Port Adelaide um, game over the, the last weekend and that apparently there were, it was a chair thrown. And so I'm sure that may have also played a part in the decision for him to stand down, whether or not someone in the club just thought, let's do like a welfare check, see how, see how he's going um, because it's, sort of behavior probably wasn't in his nature or in his character so um we, we move on and and we've got um a great man in brett radden as the caretaker which i'm sure we'll touch on a bit later but i think um if in this circumstance we probably couldn't ask for um a better replacement in that brett ratton's been through the ringer himself coaching st kilda coaching carlton um he knows what what the challenge is for him and, and i think the players um really warm to him he seems like a great guy um a real shin bone in, in my view he's been through all the trials and tribulations of life so um really looking forward to seeing um him as the caretaker coach and um once again hopefully clarko takes as much time as he can and this investigation can can start moving um eight months down the track and people's lives can be better off for it once there's a resolution. Yeah, and I guess that's a silver lining is that Brett Rutten will take charge because he is one of the good guys of the AFL and he's been treated a bit poorly by his uh, previous clubs, especially you know when he was at Carlton. He got sacked after coaching them to the finals and they've, uh, they haven't been the same club ever since really with the coaches. Um, and so, yeah, no, I, I guess that's a good thing uh, that we do get him. Troy, I think this relationship he has with the Hawthorne Football Club right now is going to get a lot messier, like a bad divorce, isn't it, by the sounds of it? Yeah, it certainly, um, certainly looks that way. And you look at um, his response, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago and, and his sort of the the mentions of um, his relationship with, with Sam Mitchell and, and that sort of thing. And, and, you know, you sort of can look, paint yourself a little bit of a picture as to um, what that relationship you're talking about, what that sort of looks like at the moment. And it's, it's not good because um, you don't want to see... Um, anyone really that's been uh, successful for a long period of time at any club to then have fractured relationships with that club. And, you know, as mentioned, um, you know, there's, there's two sides to every story and we don't, I, is it fair to say that we, we don't want to feel like we're belittling um, the, the other affected parties in this as well and, and not sort of downplaying, um, you know, you know, the accusations that have, that have been mentioned um, as Siobhan mentioned, we just want to give people an opportunity to, to tell their side of the story and then we're able to, to deal with what comes after that. But when, you, when we're only getting um, snippets, I say snippets because you know, we've only heard what has been released in, in the media um, because even the other parties haven't had their voice uh, out in the public, not that they should, um, but we want that, you know, the... the accused to be able to give the opportunity to, to state their, their case and, and sort of paint their picture as well. And I think that's the frustration is that, that that's all we want. Just give them an opportunity to, to put their, um, put their thoughts out there and, and put their context on the whole situation. And then, um, you know, a, a decision and a resolution can be made once all the facts have been laid out there. Yeah, I mean, everyone's got a right to defence. Even, you know, murderers have got a right to defence. And Siobhan uh, sums up in her first, first sentence as well, sort of saying, if I was calling her names and I had no uh, right to reply, uh, you know, uh, that wouldn't be fair and I lost listeners and so forth. And just to reiterate, I did not call Siobhan any names, so please listen to the show. So, um, but, uh, yeah, look, it's it's really disappointing. And, um, you know, it's, it's all started eight months ago. And, you know, when these first came out, the media sort of jumped to conclusions, uh, pretty much uh, thought he was guilty uh, without uh, any any right or reply from him. He had to step down. Uh, he came back. And, yeah, now it's just um, nothing's happened for eight months. And you could sort of tell last last week he was getting a little frustrated in, in the press conference uh, with the Hawthorne Footy Club. And that's when you could sort of see signs that he, it was uh, weighing him down. But, um, look, I think this is the best thing for him. And, you know, the, the club will move forward. 
And, you know, if he has to take the rest of the season off, he takes the rest of the season off. Let's say in a month's time, this is all resolved. I think he still should uh, spend time with his family, go on a holiday and so forth, because the football club will still be there by the end of the season. And we're, we're in the very capable hands of Brett Ratton, who I think will do a very good job. Uh, well, oh, thank you. Uh, thanks, Troy. I appreciate the, the kind sentiments there. Um, We'll go to team changes. This is what I was looking forward to um, till all this happened uh, today. Um, we've made six changes this week. Uh, Siobhan, Aaron Hall, Callum Coleman-Jones, Eddie Ford, Tom Powell, Will Phillips, Phoenix Spicer comes in at the 22, and George Wardlaw debuts. That's very exciting, isn't it? Ooh, very, very, very <laughs> exciting. I think we've all been calling for it for a little while, but um, people that, that know more than me probably wanted to take the conservative approach considering the challenges he's had with his hamstrings and um, getting his conditioning and his body right for the rigours of AFL footy. But we obviously had some pretty bad news today and that was counteracted by the end of the day. We, we found out Ward Law was going to be debuting. So um, this will be awesome. Um, I was really surprised to see Ben Cunnington not come back into the side um, with LDU out with that hamstring. But in saying that, I think they're going to just give Wardlaw the, the debut of fire and just play him in the middle and um, put him up along the likes of Luke Parker and, and some of the bigger bodies at Sydney. So um, it's very exciting for the club. I like the changes. I mean, clearly I'm sad to see Davies, Uniak and Zerhar and Tucker out of the side, but I'm really excited to see um, Tom Powell and Will Phillips back in the team. Um, both of them probably deserve their opportunity. Eddie Ford certainly is one that has deserved his opportunity um, to come into the side and, and hopefully he can um, kick a few goals and get his confidence right up. Um, and awesome to see Colin Coleman-Jones. I think a lot of listeners know my thoughts on on him um, and I think it'll be really um, an opportunity for him to, to play in the forward line alongside Larky. Let's see what those two can do as a combination down there. I know he kicks nine, put, put in a bit of perspective it was against Frankston so um no disrespect to Frankston but not great opposition in the VFL but um I think that will probably do his confidence the world of good and let's hope that um he can at least provide a contest down there if I was Brett Ratton I'd just be saying mate just um bring the ball to ground try not get to get out marked um so hopefully with those inclusions the forward line um runs a little bit better and um I will get to see the real nucleus of, of our midfield um, obviously without LDU in there, but it would be nice to see how Phillips and Powell work together um, and with Georgie Wardlaw in there, who hopefully we'll see for 200, 300 games um, in the blue and white. Yeah, I mean, I guess um, you mentioned it uh, earlier, Ben Cunnington, probably uh, not an inclusion. Where do you think he's at right now, Troy? He got dropped last week. Hugh Greenwood comes into into his spot. Uh, Hugh Greenwood keeps his spot. And there's a lot of consensus out there that they're both uh, very one-paced, slow midfielders, so you can't play them both in the same team. Where do you think Ben Cunnington's at? He was okay in reserves last week, I guess. Yeah, look, it's, it's tough when you've um, been asked to talk about... Uh, a store and an absolute champion of our footy club, um, you know, one that's been respected not only at our club but right across the AFL landscape. Um, so when it comes to these times in, in these sorts of players' careers, it, it's hard to sort of look at it and talk about in a way that probably doesn't make you feel very good because you obviously it sounds like you're putting down an absolute champion, but I just think it looks like it's getting to that time where um, decisions may need to be made and sort of had been made, you know, last week. And, and we saw obviously earlier on um, in the Carlton game where Cunnington was, was subbed out of the game and, and you listen to Clarko's reasons behind it and they make sense. Um, and you look at, you know, even the selection changes as much as, you know, a few of us were perplexed, you know, about some players that were, were still in or some players that were still out. Um, there was reasons behind it um, and we're starting to see those sort of changes happening now. So I think this is just another one of those changes where unfortunately it's that time where we, um, if he's not performing, um, you know, we, we need to, to put someone in there that, that's going to uh, hopefully do the job that we, that's been required of that particular position. Um, you know, and Greenwood, uh, I understand where you're coming from, two similar players. They both crack in real hard. and um, He's probably seen, is the one at this stage, maybe a little bit, ahead of Cunnington at the moment in terms of um, impact that I, this is my personal opinion that I feel he's having on, on the, um, on the team at the moment. And as mentioned with the other 
the other ends. I think we've got a snapshot this week of hopefully what our midfield can look like in five, ten years' time and, and that nucleus that, that we could potentially have. Um, you know, we're, we're going to have a snapshot of that this week and hopefully the boys can um, understand and appreciate that. They're going to come up against some quality opposition players. They're really going to have to, you know, put their best foot forward. So I'm looking, I'm excited about, you know, the midfield that we're going to have and, and the players that we've got in. Um, yeah, but to, to go back to the Cunnington question, yeah, it's, it's unfortunately that time of, of, of a legend's career that um, we don't want to talk about, but it's just reality, I guess. Yeah, unfortunately it is. Um, and your boy, George Wardlaw, you must be happy. Oh, absolutely wrapped. And, um, you know, I'm proud to say I'm going to be um, down there at the ground to see um, my boy, Georgie Wardlaw, play his first game in, in the flesh. So it's going to be fantastic. And, again, another one of those selections where, you know, we, we were asking for it as, as supporters, asking for that, you know, weeks ago. Um, but the club's been very measured and very particular about their approach to, to bringing him in and making sure he's right to go um, from, the, from the first bounce, not just... Uh, getting brought in on sentiment. So, um, you know, he's had a, an, an interrupted season last year and, and really um, put through his paces through a, a sort of an individual pre-season, I guess, and had that bit of a, a break just to refresh and, and come back and, and put some good games together in the reserves. And, and I think that's going to hold him in good stead going into his first game. And it's really exciting for the club. Um, I'm really looking forward to, to being down there and watching him play. Yeah, no, definitely. I think we all are, to be honest with you. And it would be a good distraction for a lot of us to see uh, an exciting young talent like him uh, debut. Uh, out of the team go Aiden Kaur, Cameron Zerha. Uh, Aiden Kaur suspended, Cameron Zerha injured, only for a week. Darcy Tucker injured probably for a week. Uh, Flynn Perez in the concussion protocol, so that's only one week. Jack Marnie, unfortunately, out for the year. Um, can't catch a break either. He's had uh, major shoulder injury problems in the last six to 12 months. And Luke Davis Uniac, as we all know, out for three to five weeks with uh, yeah the hamstring strain. I guess the big uh, there's only big news uh, out of that uh, is the omission of Curtis Taylor. He's had a disappointing year, hasn't he, Siobhan? He has, and unfortunately, um, the fact that he was omitted after there were five forced changes kind of tells you where he's at at the moment. Um, he's just not doing enough. Like you can't question Curtis Taylor's kind of effort I think the effort there but whether or not he has an established role is what I'd like to get both of your thoughts on because when I see him play I don't really know um if he's playing as a heart forward if he's playing as that kind of link up player but no matter what he is just not having enough output so if his job is to kick goals that's not happening He's not getting a high amount of disposals. And unfortunately, he's one of the players where when the ball's in his hands, I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know where his kick's going to go or whether it's going to hit a target. So, um, yeah, I, I'm sad to see it, but I, I don't know whether or not Curtis Taylor is the player he is now and this is what we're going to get from him or whether or not he's just in a bit of a, a form slump. Because sadly for him, I, I don't think he's ever kind of had that game where we've gone, ah, yes, that that's... That's the player we're getting in Curtis Taylor. Um, so he's probably at an interesting point in his career where I, I don't know if his role's outlined enough and whether we can find somewhere for him or he becomes another player that's kind of middle of the road, so-and-so on the list. But what do you think, Troy? Uh, what do you think he's at right now with his football career? Yeah, I agree with Siobhan in the, in the sense that we haven't seen that one game um, where, where you see that player that we hope that he's going to be we've seen moments we've seen you know quarters we've seen instances and I think that's where the frustration comes in is that um, you know we've seen those those parts that we know what he's capable of but he just hasn't strung it together over a period of time has been pretty quiet um, throughout the early part of this season so I, I certainly understand the the reason behind you know putting him back and getting him to earn his, earn his spot back in there Um in terms of a role, um, I, I believe that he's playing like as a, a link-up high forward, um, someone that hopefully can deliver inside 50. And again, as mentioned, he hasn't been able to either get his hands on the footy enough or hasn't been able to execute as we hope that he can. So um, there's, there's a couple of things in, in there that if you can't execute if you're not getting hands on the footy. So um, that's got to be a name of his. Um, and I'm a, I'm a believer of... Um, you know, 
putting pressure on in the forward line to, to help your midfield to defend better, which also corresponds to helping your defenders be able to do their job as well. Um, so if you're not getting your hands on the footy, you've got to be putting pressure on when the opposition or when we turn the ball over and the opposition get their hands on the footy. Um, as we've seen, it's coming out of our forward line um, too easy without that pressure. And, you know, uh, if, if again, that's might be his role to when the ball's in the opposition hands to, to get the ball back or, or put some pressure on, um, you know, he's not doing that as well. So, yeah, it's, it's a tough one because, yeah, he sort of teased us a little bit with his ability, um, just hasn't been able to string it together consistently. So um, hopefully he can uh, go back and, and get some form in the reserves and, and come back a better player. Yeah, I think he needs a good run of it, run at it uh, in the reserves um, just to, yeah, find, you know, some form because – the last couple of years, he's he's been um, his, his stats are very similar. But yeah, like like you said, Siobhan and Troy, um, he he doesn't use a he doesn't damage you with his foot. Uh, he doesn't uh, use the ball well. Uh, he hasn't been using the ball well. That can always change. He does have a lot of talent, so I believe that he can fix that. But that that's something he really has to work on when he gets that opportunity that he uses the ball well and that he uh, kicks goals as well when he does get that chance. He's kicked six goals in nine games, averaging about 13 disposals a game. But, um, yes, yeah, I mean, it's been a bit of a – he's been a player that's been on the fringes of going out for a while. But, um, yeah, we've had a number of those types of players. So he needs to go back in the reserves and find some form. And that happens sometimes. And – like you said, Siobhan, we really need that. Uh, you know, when he he's twenty three now, we win, we really need uh, that type of player to really step up. Who's played sixty odd games? We really want him to take that step forward. So we'll uh, see how we go. We'll move, keep continue to move forward. Um, Siobhan, I'm very interested in getting your thoughts on this uh, individual. Taron Thomas is back in the AFL program, and and Troy, I'll get your thoughts as well. Uh, now he could get picked as soon as next week, I believe. I mean, we don't know the full truth of the allegations, and judging by his interview the other day. There is some truth to these allegations after he was quoted as saying how how much I've learned, how I respect women, how I go about life, and I'm still learning, I'm still young, uh, which is an admission of some sort of guilt. Is that fair, Siobhan? I guess it is. Um, mm. it's, it's a really interesting situation because the last kind of we heard from the club regarding Taron, he still hadn't quite fulfilled the requirements of the program. Now, I'm an outsider looking in, so A, I don't know what the program involved and B, I don't know to what level they want him to complete the program. Um, I still, it still blows my mind that people need a program to understand how to treat people, let alone women, respectfully. But we're in the situation we're in with him, so I have to kind of cast my, my judgments aside. Um In terms of his integration back into the AFL program, um. Uh, looking at the injury list and looking at who we have available and, and what what the kind of future looks like, if he can get himself, um, A, physically ready, B, mentally ready, and, and that the club ha- have ensured that he's completed his programs properly, that um, all of the kind of legal stuff is, is under control, then I'm guessing and this is without my opinions involved in any of this, he'll probably play in the next few weeks. So um, if he strings together good VFL form and he's physically ready to go and able to, 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 to play, my guess is that we'll see him back in the AFL side in no time. Um, that's obviously up to the club and their discretion for what he's doing. Um, but I do still feel like he's skating on thin ice. Um, we haven't heard any incidents or any... Um, anything come up since the the driving with the the feet on the dashboard incident, um, which is only a positive thing. Um, and let's just hope he's matured and will learn from all of this. Uh, I'm I can only assume the club are not going to be casting him aside. Um, so the next step is he either doesn't play for the year or he plays. And I'm get, get guessing um, the club are probably going to um, go with option B, which is have him in the seniors sooner rather than later. It certainly looks that way uh, if they've brought him back into the AFL program. Troy, I guess my main issue with him is I haven't heard an apology, not only for about how he has disrespected women or he's put himself in that situation. I'm not too sure. Like I said, I don't know the full extent of the allegations. But even driving carelessly as well with his feet up on a dashboard, the, the only thing he was sorry about was that he sent it to the wrong people. Uh, I understand we back a club in these circumstances, but how do you feel about him possibly getting picked against the Pies next week? 
Yeah, it's it's a tough one. I was actually um picked my son up from work uh, tonight, and we were talking about this on the way home, and and his point of view was, um, you know, he's surprised that he's still on a list, um, yeah, you know, and that's you know from a he's been a North supporter since I was playing, so you know that that was his stance on it, and the, I can understand um you know where he was coming from, and and I said to him, I'm sort of sitting on the fence a little bit, like. I can understand, you know, the calls for him to be uh, have his contract terminated, but then uh, on the other side, the north, the north side, I think, and um, Siobhan mentioned about being on thin ice. Absolutely, he is. My view is, um, and I don't know whether it's right or wrong, but by North getting him to do all these programs and and putting him through these situations where he's not at the club and and back at the club and training VFL. To me, if if it does go wrong, I hope, certainly hope it doesn't because I obviously don't want anyone to be hurt or damaged from from anything if it does go wrong. But if it does go wrong, um, I think the club can say, well, we've we've tried everything. We've we haven't yeah. cast him aside. We've tried to point him in the right direction. We've tried to put systems in place. We've given him the tools to try and change, and then ultimately yeah. it's come down to his decision and his decision making and choices in what he's done, and he's brought that upon himself to you know, to have his contract terminated if that goes down that way. So I'm sort of on the fence a little bit. I agree with you about, you know, not hearing an apology. Um, you know, that's probably when you're the first, I've always thought the first uh, way to fix a mistake is re- recognising that you've made a mistake in the first place and, and, and owning that. And, um, yeah, I, I don't see that at this stage. Um, yeah, so that, that that's a little bit disappointing. Um and I hope he has had the right tools put in his in his hands to be able to change change his ways and, and mature and and be not just we don't want him to be a better person a better footballer at this stage we want him to be a better person first and then the football can come after that. Yeah, definitely. Well, well summed up there too, uh, Troy. Uh, it, it is a difficult one, like you said. So, yeah, and I, I guess we've um, just got to back the club. I mean, they've got uh, a lot of issues going on at the moment, so this is just one of them, and this is probably uh, right down the order as well right now. So, yeah, which is uh, saying something. Uh, Siobhan, Siobhan, we'll go on the field now. Uh, we come here each week and we talk about uh, the effort, and it was highlighted by David King on first crack. But are we seeing effort... But we are seeing effort, but not in the right areas, I believe. I think there's context that we are turning the ball over too much, and I believe players are finding it hard to track back a lot and give a maximum effort chasing. Or do you think I'm being a bit too generous with that? No, um, I think first crack was really interesting. I watched it on Sunday night, and I was a little bit surprised because I felt like we tried against Port Adelaide, and I don't know if it's just this is how far we've fallen, that that sort of performance in my mind was actually not horrible. Um, but I did feel like we, we gave effort and and we were um, trying. And I guess you can look at, at any tape and, and pick out certain moments and certain things that happen during a game and highlight it. Um, even the teams that are playing really well, you could probably go through a tape and go, you know, this person didn't chase or whatever it is. Um, I thought the criticism was a little bit harsh in terms of the effort factor, but the skill factor, my God. Uh, I I really, again, struggle to understand how 23 players that grace the field every week ha- can have skills that can be so atrocious I mean that in a nice way. I know we're still a young side. We're still developing. We've got a game plan that's still under construction. But just some of the mistakes were so basic that it was so painful to watch because it just cut us open the other way. And Port Adelaide feasted on the turnovers because they were also so simple that I actually think they were surprised at our ability to turn the ball over as easy as we did. Um we there were positives that came out of the game. I mean, Nikolaki kicked four. I thought um, there were elements that were really good. But if you turn the ball over the way we did, no matter what you do and no matter what positives there are, it'll be counteracted by the fact that you're going to get scored against. Um, and it's so demoralising when you see senior players turning the ball over like what happened on the the weekend. Um, it's just hard to to stay in the game. So um, that's an area that we really need to fix up. I don't know if that's team cohesion if it's game plan if it's um individuals i can't figure it out but there's no excuse for some of the 
the skills to be as poor as they are. No, it's um, yeah, a lot of it is very un AFL like now. Uh, Troy, you've been vocal on Twitter, particularly against Melbourne, uh, questioning the effort, and you've uh, and you've got every right to vo- uh, be vocal about it because you've played the game and understood what it takes to be competitive and how hard it is to be a good AFL player on a consistent basis on a consistent level. What have you seen the last five weeks that you notice in particular has not been the effort required for this level? Well, I'll go back to the first two games we played and we played at a really high intensity of putting pressure on the opposition. Um, you know, particularly the first two games, West Coast and Fremantle had a fantastic win over in WA um, against Fremantle. Who you look at their form now are starting to come play some really good footy. So that was a fantastic win. I think the base of that win was was formed around the pressure and intensity on the opposition. I just found it hard that you can have that sort of level of intensity and, and direction of trying to put pressure on the opposition to, to go from that level to to what we've seen over the last few weeks. That's the frustration is that the frustration is knowing what we're capable of and not being able to execute it um, week after week. It's if we didn't do that, then you wouldn't think anything of it, you know, because, okay, we haven't seen it. So it's not our part of the game. We know what we're capable of because we've done it in the past. So, yeah. and and we know it works. The two games where we have high intensity and high, high pressure on the opposition are the two games we win. And it's no coincidence that we don't have that intensity and pressure on the opposition in the last few games and, and we've lost and lost convincingly. Um, you know, add to that the, the skill errors that's been mentioned already. You get yourself in a rut um, so deep that, that what we're in at the moment, that you're, you're trying so hard that you're almost making mistakes um, for, for trying too hard, trying to hit that pinpoint pass to get us going the right way and it doesn't come off, trying to hit that kick around the corner and um, you know, trying to do that loopy handball over the top to get a release player out and running and, and it just doesn't work and it just eats away at you mentally and it's a really hard um, hole to dig yourself out of and um, it's frustrating. It'll be frustrating for the players. Um, you know, I've, I've been there. Or I've been in situations where you just can't get out of it and um, you just need to force your way through it and, and just get back to what you know. Um, when you're playing some good – when you've played good footy in the past – What's worked well for you? Has it been you've you've just laid you know heaps of tackles, or have you um, just hit the easy passes? Just pick off a twenty meter pass and, and just get yourself going in that sense, rather than going for a forty five degree bullet. Um, you know, just doing the basics, fundamentals, um, over and over again, and doing them, and then everything else will start to flow from that. The confidence will build. The confidence in your teammates will build. Um, at the moment, we're sort of sitting back a bit because we're almost waiting for that turnover. So we're not being proactive going forward. And um, you can almost see guys thinking as they're trying to execute a kick or a pass or a hand pass, you can almost see in their brains thinking, I know what I want to do and I know how I need to do it, but I don't want to make a mistake. And then ultimately we make a mistake whether it's the first, second or third time. And and, and that's where we, we get, we pay the price going the other ways. And, and I guess, you know, that's why we're, in a position where we're at, at the moment. We're not executing. We're not playing freely like a Collingwood. You know, you watch the way they play. They come off their opponents and, and force um, opposition to make a mistake because they've just got that confidence to do it. They've got their confidence in their teammates that they're going to back them up and they just execute um, freely because they just have that ability just to, to know that what they're doing is right. Um, at the moment, we're just second-guessing ourselves and questioning whether we're doing the right thing and, and we're not executing, and it's frustrating to watch. Um, it's it's disappointing. You know, you, I think there was a stat at halftime on the weekend was 59 points we've given up to turnovers as a result of turnovers, and they've scored 73 points to halftime or, or whatever it was. And you know that that's a massive amount of score that you're giving up just in turnovers. So um, we need to rectify that and need to get out of that rut very very quickly. Otherwise, um, yeah, it's going to be. <laughs> Unfortunately, a frustrating season. But yeah, ultimately, I think it's going to come down to getting back to basics and just putting uh, immense pressure on the opposition. And um, you know, everything will. I think everything will stem from that. I know it's pretty basic and and something you should expect your your players to do any time. Um, but yeah, that that'll be the first thing written on the board if I was um, in the coach's box. Yeah, I mean, one player, Siobhan, that is uh, giving it all is every every week um, and. We can't question, is our former captain, Jack Siebel. He's been outstanding, hasn't he? 
I love how you get me to talk about Jack's Evil most weeks, Dean, because I just love that film. Like, I've said it too many times, but I've had number seven on the back of my jumper from for years. Like, I, I love the way Jack's Evil goes about it, and I just wish we could clone him because he – you can never question his effort. His skills are questionable at times, but usually he – well, especially playing out of the back line, I have been very impressed with the way he delivers the ball. Um, he's just everything you want in a footballer and his year has been so impressive. I just think um, he is setting the example. He is, and I, we mentioned this last week, I still think Jack Siebel is our on and off field leader in many aspects. Um, Luke and Jai are, are coming along under, probably under Jack in terms of the leadership and, and that's fine. They're still young. They've still got time to develop their leadership credentials, but um, Jack Siebel is a superstar he really is and once again I think on the weekend he was um, one of our better players alongside Todd Goldstein Um, that again worries me a little bit that those two um, were the two players that got the the coaches votes and probably were the standouts Um, but in saying that he just continues to play well um, and that's all we can ask from him and especially in a back line that at the moment, you can probably question some of the the efforts from the players in the back half. Um, I did say before that I wasn't worried about player efforts, but um, really disappointed with Aiden Core as a leader and his action that got him suspended, considering we also have um, so many injuries at that point in the game that hadn't happened. But um, I thought that was just a very silly move from a player that's probably been very underwhelming, um, in my opinion. Um, and I think there were a few times that, you probably could question Ben Mackay's effort in the contest, which um, I find really sad to say because he's one of my favourite North players. But um, some of the vision David King showed of Mackay was probably the most damning out of all of them. Um, so when you've got Jack Sewell alongside you, I don't know why you wouldn't be giving 120% like he does. Yeah, I mean, if you got uh, more players like Jack Siebel, um, yeah, you'd have you'd have no problem with uh, commitment in the team, that's for sure. Um, yeah, Harry, uh, not Harry McKay, geez, uh, Ben McKay. Uh, it's an interesting uh, development out of contract in the end of the year. Um, a lot of talk that he probably will leave, but um, yeah, look, time time will tell. Uh, unless results change. Uh, turn and uh, it generally does happen that uh, players want to pursue other opportunities and go to successful teams. I mean, seven wins out of 57 in his career, uh, probably probably sick of losing. So, yeah, no, we'd want to turn our form around, uh, you know, uh, to not only uh, get players, but uh, keep players as well. Um, Troy, I want to talk to you about BNF and if the season ended right now, are you concerned that if Sheasel wins it, um, that a rookie has won it? Or would you be more concerned if Zeebel, a 32 years old, who's probably got 18 more months of footy left in his career, if he won it? I wouldn't be concerned. In my opinion, I wouldn't be concerned with either of them. Um, with Harry, Harry Sheasel, I think, you know, we spoke pre, pre-season, pre Dean. I think I had him up there in the top three um, of our selections. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if he was up there. So I'll, I'll claim that one. Um, <laughs> but the other one, if um, if... If Jack wins it, no, I would. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be phased. Um, you know, to me, looking at Jack, um, he looks like he has really bought in to to Clarkson coaching, really bought into the direction that the club's heading, or wants to head, and he looked genuinely excited about the role that he can play in propelling the club forward after the the last couple of years we've had, and I think he's really taken that personally and, and run with it and I think his results on the field have shown from that so um, I think that'll just be a great reward for what he's been able to do not only over, over in this season I think he's really bought into to the hype of, of Clarkson being our coach and and the direction that we're heading so um, no I don't I, I wouldn't be fussed I'd be more concerned about some other players that we'd expect to be at least up there um, you know in the in the top 10 um, off the top of my head I, I can't really uh, name names, but as mentioned, you know, you know the Curtis Taylor, Paul Curtis. Um, you know, you'd like to see think guys like Jack Marnie um, coming along. You know, I know we're not going to see a couple of them. Um, you know, not obviously not going to see, but Stevenson is another one. You know, he's really starting to show some form. But guys that have played that fifty or sixty games, they're the ones that I'd be disappointed if I don't see them, um, particularly pull their socks up over over the second half of the season, but to push their way into a top 10 of a BNF um, at, at a club level, 
Um, they're the ones that I'll be looking at, not so much whether whether Jack wins or whether Harry Sheasel wins it. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, look, look, like you said, I'm more, yeah, and perfectly summed up, it's more the other players that you're looking at um, that you really want to step up. Uh, Siobhan, like you talk about the Bailey Scots, Tom Powell's, I was expecting yeah. Aiden Core to be right up there at the best and fairest. Um, you know, maybe Ben McKay. And that's where the concern is, those – yeah, the, and we've mentioned it a million times before, but, the, yeah, you really want those types of players to finish in your top five billionaires, don't you? Yeah. Troy makes a really great point, is that I think – I spoke a little bit about this last week with you, Dean, but I just get concerned about the players that have played 50 games plus, whether or not we're actually getting enough out of them. So, uh, to me – a lot of players this year have gone backwards. So um, Bailey Scott, who was third in the best and fairest last year, has had a poor season so far. Are we seeing enough from Curtis Taylor? Are we seeing enough progression in the second year for Paul Curtis? There's a, a handful of players that I think have either made no progression or have gone backwards. Um, Steve Rose, like Troy mentioned, is one that has certainly flourished under Clarkson. But I just fear that maybe the players on our list are either – are either not um, developing properly or have kind of stalled and and that's that the best and fairest count will, will tell and that will probably be um, by the end of the year where we can say you know this player needs more work this player needs more games whatever it might be um, this player may not you know be able to cut it at this level all of that will probably be revealed by the end of the year there's no doubt when we're going down a path of playing these players now so we can see even this week some of the force changes have enabled players to come through so um Hopefully we'll have more answers by the end of the year, but I just fear for those players that have played 50 to 75 that either they've reached their ceiling or they're not coming on as well as we'd hope. So um, let's just hope for the best in that case because we can't be relying on really uh, like our senior players and we can't also be relying on Harry Sheasel and George Wardlaw if that's the case and and those sort of players. We want to see more from Phillips. We want to see more from Powell. We want to see them pushing into the top 10 as as the, the year goes on. So let's hope for, for more from those players. Yeah, we really want those, you know, twenty-three to twenty-eight year olds to really take that next step forward, and that's that's where that's going to be a difference between us being, you know, that uh, bottom six team to a team that could push into a top six. So, yeah, it's a it's a crucial uh, point of time for the club uh, right now. Um, we'll go forward. Uh, we play the Swans this week. We have their own injury rows, uh, woes. No McCartans uh, or Rampy in the back half. I'm not even sure who their key defenders are at the moment. Troy, should we consider playing Logue, McLarkey and CCJ in the forward line this week to really stretch out the Swans' defence? Yeah, it's an interesting point, but I think if you lose core, so you're down to only Mackay in the back line there as a key position. Um, so that sort of, I think, negates that opportunity to do that um, I think CCJ comes in and, and naturally I, I believe Logue will go back the position spot back there so yeah it would be exciting to see um, and, and try and stretch uh, depleted uh, Sydney defence um, but yeah I don't think it's going to happen um, and looking forward I think we've got, we've got uh, my frustration going forward inside 50 is is not the players we've got there. It's how we get the ball in there. Um, you know, we're kicking... Teams know that we, we kick it long. Um, I, I would love to see a stat over the last... Certainly over the first nine games of the year, but the, the last year and a half, I'd love to see a stat about how many times we've hit up a leading target inside 50 um, and, and and compare that to, you know, the best teams in the competition because I don't think it'll be um, a very high percentage. So... Um, they're, they're the ones that I want to look at. You know, Larky, I don't think, is a is a one-on-one or one-on-three at times. Body play um, pack marker. So you've got to play to his strengths. Put put the ball out into space and let him run and, and, and get his arms stretched out and, and reach for the ball. But we're, we're not playing to his strengths. Um, you know, it's, uh, Coleman Jones is not, he's not a solid um key forward by, by any stretch, but he can run and jump at the ball as well. So you want to give him a chance to run and jump at it. No point just dumping it on his head either. So I think it's we need to, to look at how we deliver the ball inside 50 and try, try and hit up some um, some leading targets um, 
going inside 50 because we're, we're just butchering the ball and not giving our forwards an opportunity to play to their strengths. No, that's exactly right. We're coming last in the competition for marks inside 50 and coming last in the competition for tackles inside 50. And I guess, Siobhan, I mean, that's just as big a problem. Once it goes in, it seems to come out twice as fast as well. We're not uh, playing a forward half game. Oh, goodness. That's a really good point. It's so frustrating because we actually do all the hard work to get the ball inside 50. As Troy mentioned, it's our scrubber of a kick most of the time. And then the ball just waltzes straight back out of our forward 50 through the corridor most of the time. And then, bang, it's a goal over over our defender's head. So um, very frustrating. Um, I think all areas of the ground at the moment we're just struggling in. It's hard to hard to see a, a winner. But I think um, I'd like to put the pressure on the midfield this week a little bit more too because um, if we can win the ball out of there and we can see some midfielders kicking some more goals. I think that's an area of the team that lacks a little bit is um, we all know that the forward line isn't functioning as well as we'd like it to. Um, could be delivery inside 50. It could be just the way that they're kind of working together in there. I think it would be nice to see our mids potentially contribute more on the scoreboard. Um, so that's something that maybe we could we could start focusing on this week a little bit too. Um, but certainly uh, I think the midfield hasn't been as strong as it was in that first month of the season. And um, whether that's personnel or, as Troy mentioned before, a bit, little bit of effort and, and hunt on, on the ball carrier, um, I'd like to see our midfield probably put up a bit more of a, a showing and that'll just alleviate a bit of pressure off the back line. Um, it's been under siege and um, if they can deliver it in a, a half-decent way inside 50 to give our forwards a chance and that's the only way to win a game of footy, isn't it, by kicking a winning score. So it um, be nice to see. As I mentioned at the start of the pod, what could be the nucleus of our future with um, with, with Wardlaw and Phillips Powell, um, Simkin in, in that midfield. I'd actually like to see Harry Sheasel play forward a little bit more this week. Um, I, I know he's been absolutely starring as a, as a halfback for us, but I just feel like it would be awesome as a, for a supporter base to see him kick a few snags. And um, I've got no doubt he has the ability to do that. Again, another player I wish we could clone. Um, but yeah, he's he's someone that I'd like to see maybe push forward this week. Yeah, and I think you make a good point uh, before that uh, we're not getting enough even spread of goals. It seems to be Larky, Stevenson and Zerha. Uh, outside of that, I don't think anyone else is really kicking a goal. So it'd be nice to get an even spread. Um, so, yeah, look, Troy and saying all that, I think we're a big chance this week, which is probably me being a deluded supporter. <laughs> but looking at the players, they're missing – that, looking at the players they're missing, and our best games this year have been at Marvel. Uh, we seem to do well with interim coaches in charge of their first games. Do you think we're a chance? Yeah, I certainly do, mate. And I was thinking that um, even before before the happenings of of today. So I was really excited about um, you know the, the opportunity to to have a crack at Sydney this week. Um, you, know, you look at you know, six force changes. Um, I honestly looked at that and I wasn't phased by that. I was excited about the guys that are coming in and and they can really um, certainly pick up the slack of, of what we're we're missing out on. So that that excites me. The the players that are coming in, um, really looking forward to it. Add to that the the emotion that's going to be attached to the game in support of Alistair Clarkson. Um, you know, I think there'll be a lot of emotion there, particularly at the start of the game. Um, Sydney are under, under siege a little bit. Um, Buddy Franklin's under siege a, a little bit. Um, I hope we can get on top, top of him and not allow him to get into some form. Um, but, yeah, I really think there's an opportunity with their, their weakened defence. Um, as, as Siobhan mentioned, an opportunity for our mids to, to go up against a, a couple of good, uh, a few good uh, Sydney midfielders and, and take it to them and put the pressure on. Uh, and alleviate the stress on our, our back line. So I'm genuinely excited. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I'm hoping that, that we can turn a corner uh, in some sense in, in, in our game plan and, and where we're heading. And um, I, I, I've said it plenty of times. It's going to come down. I'll, I'll know in the first five, ten minutes how, how we're going to go throughout the year. It'll be our intent and our effort at the footy and our um, effort and intent at the opposition. So we'll see. Uh, five minutes into the game, ten minutes into the game, I think we're going to have a good guide as to how we're going to go. But I reckon there's going to be a lot of emotion attached to it um, and a real opportunity. Georgie Wardlaw comes in for his debut, so they want to um, play well for him as well. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. 
Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, like you said, I was I was excited by the changes as well. Um, the possible uh, players coming in, like an Eddie Ford, George Wardwell, who we haven't seen. Uh, we haven't seen Eddie Ford this year. So yeah, no, I, I know we lose Luke. Uh, yeah, lose Luke Davis Uniac, but the other players are replaceable. So our oh, Cameron Zerda is a very big loss as well. But um, yeah, we do have re- uh, replacements, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing CCJ as well. I think he could he could be a player that could really uh, potentially stretch that uh, Sydney defence. Because I don't even know who their tallest defender is. Maybe Fox, um, yeah, or, or Blakey. But um, I, I think they're a bit too small. And if we get the delivery right, we're every chance. What do you think, Siobhan? Do you, th- you think I'm a dickhead and out of my mind to think we're a chance? I think we're all uh, we're all getting on the deluded supporter bus, I think. <laughs> Oddly enough, I'm probably with you guys. I think there's something about North Melbourne and having their backs against the wall that just maybe I'm, I'm being a bit too optimistic, but I do feel like, um, this the events of today will galvanise the group and I've got no doubt that a lot of the, the players and Jai Simpkins said it during the week were disappointed with some of the the, um, the lack of pressure maybe against against Port Adelaide. Um, it would be an interesting week for Simpkin and McDonald too. I think as leaders of the club, I'd like to see them really have great games too. Um, and I just, there's something I love Brett Radden. I was thrilled to have him um, come across um, when, when Clarko took took over the job as, as coach and um, I think he he's another player uh, another man sorry that really galvanizes a group so I've got no doubt like Troy said there'll be a lot of emotion in the game probably um, trying to play well for Clarko and play well for Rats as his first senior first game as, as interim senior coach so um, we play well on emotion and we've got a good track record against uh, against clubs uh, last year well known to everyone that game against Richmond where it was Patch's first game as caretaker we've got a good track record of it and um, obviously no one wants to be in this situation but if we're going to have a caretaker I think we've, we've come up against a good side in that circumstance as well because um, like Troy mentioned their, their injury hit much like us but um, I think we've got them on the ropes at this time, and um, they, they've got a very small, small defence. They've got some real quality through the midfield in Warner and Parker and um, and Heaney and these guys. So that they are a quality unit, but they are struggling at the moment. I worry about players like Tom Papley. Um, I just think that they still have potency and stars on all lines, but um, there's something about when we play on emotion and when we play when our backs are against the wall and there's no um, greater time for a good performance than this week, considering all that's happened today um, and time for our leaders to step up in some capacity as well. So um, bring on, bring on Saturday, one forty-five. I hope we get a really good crowd at the game as well, because these boys deserve our support. Um, like I mentioned at the start of the show, none of this is our fault. So um, time to kind of prove, prove some of the, the, the doubt is wrong. Yeah, no, definitely. Hopefully we do get a fair crowd. And uh, we'll be graced by the presence of Troy Makepeace. So hopefully that'll fire the boys up a bit, North Melbourne <laughs> legend. Um, and I think you made a good point before, Um It's, it's you know, we certainly have to lift our game in the midfield. Last week we lost the centre clearances 18-5, which puts us, on, puts us on the back foot straight away. And they do have a very good forward line still in uh, Isaac Heaney, Tom Papley, more of the smaller blokes. Um you could probably just see Lance Franklin firing up for this game when we thought the criticism he's got. So, yeah, look, uh, we're certainly hoping if we can break even the centre clearances and a stoppage around the ground, it will be uh, more than half a chance, I think. Uh, in saying all that, Troy, what's your final prediction? Uh, One-point winners. Um, we'll go with that. Um, just in, in terms of um, who we can look at for Papley, what are your thoughts on Miller Bergman setting him a job to play on yes. on Papley and and then um, my son who's uh, loves talking about footy um, his thoughts on Aaron Hall push him up to a wing um, and let him roam around and, and get his hands on the footy up there so just two little positional changes there um, look going forward get your thoughts on that go on sure. That's a great call. That's a really great call. I think Miller's been so good this year, hasn't he? I think he's he's certainly been a shining light. And what I love about Miller Bergman is he's solid and he's certainly a player that um, you can't have a question his effort and he's reliable. So that's a really great point because we're not losing too much in, in intercept marking or um, in runoff halfback, I guess, with him. But if you certainly said to him, stay on Tom Papley, um, he'd do a job for you. So that's a great call. And 
also Aaron Hall in a wing. I like it. I think, like I mentioned earlier, that Bailey Scott's out of form a little bit. So why not um, try something different? We've got nothing to lose. So I, I really like it because they've, they've still got enough damaging players. Do you guys think Mackay goes to, to Franklin or do we set that task for Logue? No, I think it'll be Mackay. Yep. What about you, Troy? Uh, I'm going to go Logue for Franklin. Okay. And then uh, Mackay to um, take their resting Ruckman forward. Um, as mentioned, they don't have a super tall uh, forward line, with, especially with Logan McDonald out. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think uh, they they rest their Rucks uh, forward. Uh, opportunity for Mackay there to, to quell a resting Ruckman and, and Logue to play on Franklin. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, it's uh, Hayden McLean, I think, who's a player that's probably a little bit out of form as well because they've got, uh, yeah, like you said, they've got a few injuries uh, in their forward line. Logan McDonald's out for four to six weeks. Sam Reed's out for the year. And Amadi's out for four to six weeks as well. So it leaves them a bit short up there. So, yeah, um, yeah, I don't mind a Bergman one on Papley. I mean, if he gets a couple of goals early, you can always switch it and put Luke McDonald on him. So, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'm more for the exposure for a young kid uh, to give him experience on, on a you know quality small forward or only make him a better player. And if he wins the battle, then it's only going to make him you know uh, more confident and have more belief in, in the kids. So, yeah, and he's been very impressive so far this year. Uh, what's your final prediction anyway, Siobhan, for the game? Yeah, I, um, I'd like to say North. Just under all the circumstances that we've mentioned on the podcast, but I think my head probably wins this a little bit more than my heart. I still think Sydney might might get the job done, but it certainly won't be what we've seen the last few weeks. I think it'll be a really competitive clash. It'll be a game that could go either way, which is actually really exciting to say out loud because um, the last few weeks have been a little bit soul-crushing from a supporter's point of view. Um, but I think it'll be a close game. Sydney by uh, two or three goals at the end of the day, but I think until the last quarter will remain um, quite competitive and strong against them. Yeah, last five games, average losing margin of 61 points. So, yeah, it's probably – it would be nice to at least have a competitive performance. But, um, yeah, I, I think we'll get the chocolates this week and win by about three goals. So, I'm confident. I don't know why, but uh, I, I, like uh, Martin Luther King said, I, I have a dream and, yeah, <laughs> I, I see something. So, I don't know. Uh, Troy, any final messages before I let you go? Uh, one last message. I just read um, recently with interest on Twitter – as you guys would have possibly seen, uh, Phoenix Spice are very excited about this week's round, really looking forward to the opportunity to play in Sir Doug Nichols' round and, and the opportunity uh, to represent um, his family and, and pull on the Indigenous jumper and, and play a part in this round. So um, he's going to be up and about. So uh, let's hope um, Phoenix can have a fantastic game and represent that jumper with pride and um, yeah, looking forward to his game this week. He looks really excited about the opportunity. So, yeah, um, fingers crossed for him. Yeah, great message there too, Troy. Uh, what about you, Siobhan? Yeah, great message, Troy. I think I uh, also kind of um, have the same sentiment in it's in the our Indigenous Guernsey. How great does that look? It's um, a pretty special round for the AFL and um, the designer did an absolutely brilliant job. So, um it would be a, a great opportunity for, for Jai Simkin and Phoenix Spicer and um, our other Indigenous players to, to go out there and um, represent us for, for Indigenous rounds. So it be uh, an exciting game and um, good luck to George Wardlaw in his debut as well. It's it's a, actually a very exciting week to be at the footy. So um, hopefully we can get down there and support the boys and Clarko. Yeah, it's a good distraction for yeah you know, all that's happened in the last twenty four hours or twelve hours really. So yeah, no, it'd be good to just go out on the field and um, yeah see the boys play. Uh, well, thank you very much for coming on, Troy. It's much appreciated. Now, uh, thanks again for having me, Dean, and lovely uh, to to meet you, all albeit over the over the podcast, Siobhan. And um, yeah, look forward to hopefully speaking to you throughout the rest of the year. Siobhan, uh, thanks so much for coming on, and I'm sure I'll chat to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Dean, and, and exactly the same for you, Troy. It's been an absolute pleasure to have North Melbourne legend on the podcast and to be able to have a, a chat with you. Your insights are always um, very well thought out.
So thank you very much to Siobhan and Troy Makepeace for coming on the show tonight. Uh, that's it for tonight's show. Once again, thanks to all you Labor listeners for all the likes, retweets, and comments you all put out for the show. It's much appreciated. I couldn't do this podcast without your support. Uh, if you can leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform you use as well, that would be awesome. I'll be back on Sunday to do the Sunday Hangover show, so look out for that. Um, big news. But uh, keep the faith, North fans. Uh, it's uh, it's only going to get better from here. Um, I, I yeah, I think it's it's a good it's a good thing what's happened today. I, you know, um, if you can't do your job uh, to the best of your ability, step aside, let someone else do it, get yourself right, and Alistair Clarkson will be a better coach for it when he comes back. So let's not uh, worry too much about that. And you know, it's up to the players now as well. So don't. Uh, yeah, don't don't worry too much. I think uh, I think um, we will bounce back as a club, and we'll be a better club for it. Anyways, that's it. So tonight, I will leave a shout out to Justin Street at Justin Street eighty nine. Until Sunday, bye for now, and go Roos.